going to be good. But let's uh, let's begin with our salah on the Messenger, peace be upon him. Allahumma salli wa sallam ala Sayyidina Muhammadin. Tibbil qulubi wa dawaiha wa afiyat al-abdani wa shifaiha wa nur al-abasari wa diyaiha wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. Allahumma salli wa sallam ala Sayyidina Muhammadin nurika al-sari wa madadika al-jari wa jma'ni bihi fi kulli atwari wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ya nur. Today's Surah Quraysh. And about Surah Quraysh, it is connected to فَلْيَعْبُدُوا رَبَّ هَذَا الْبَيْتِ الَّذِي أَطْعَمَهُمْ مِنْ جُوعَ وَأَمَنْهُمْ مِنْ خَوْفِ Okay, so لِإِلَى فِي قُرَيْشِ is all about the favors that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had on Quraysh. Okay, and one of the motivations and by which we worship Allah, or through which we worship Allah, and what moves us is gratitude. For all the things that Allah has given us. Now, the capitalist, he doesn't want to have a lot of gratitude. He just wants to take and take and take. Now, Allah appeals to the greedy by saying, So Allah knows the people who are who are takers in this world, who are sharks, who are going to get stuff, they want to take. And Allah Ta'ala has made them worship him by taking from his, his... All you have to do is recognize where this is coming from. Obey my law regarding this. And then thirdly, thank me regarding this. By thanking him, okay, he, we're going to get an increase. So people don't want to be grateful. They want to take. And gratitude seems like it's a waste of time. But Allah Ta'ala, he motivates the capitalist by telling him, even by gratitude, you get more. If you thank me, you get more. And by capitalist, I just mean someone who loves the bounty of Allah. Some people are like that. Other people... They're just Zahid. They're just ascetic. Allah has put them in a state of Zuhud. Now Sayyidina Isa bin Maryam was curious one day about why is it some people are go-getters in the world? They, they, why are they hungry? And other people, they're just, they're happy as is. Right? They're, they have no problem. They're just uh, ascetics. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala spoke to him and he said, Oh, Isa, look at the, at the farmer. Farmer was working, working, middle of the heat. Then slowly he stopped. And he put his shovel down and he went and sat in the shade. And then suddenly he got up again and started working again. So Sayyidina Isa said, Oh, farmer, what happened? Why did you just stop? And then why did you get up again? He said, I was working because I'm trying to build up a farm here. I'm trying to build up a, a, a property and I'm going to have an income from these crops and then I'm going to buy cows and then I'm going to buy a home, blah, blah, blah. And I'm going to build and I'm going to do this. He said, then what happened? He said, then I thought about, well, what's going to happen next? I'm going to get old. My kids will take it. Maybe they want to farm. Maybe they don't. And I'm going to die and I'm going to go to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And I started thinking of the akhirah and death so i just put my shovel down and i started thinking well i'm gonna die i have to prepare for my death i have to live for the akhirah more than this world and then i thought to myself but building up this world is also a good deed right because people could benefit so i had hope again all right so then allah so then the, the then say naisa he turned to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and allah said i put the hope in his heart, then I removed it from his heart, and I put the contemplation of the afterlife, and then I removed that, and I put, and, uh, and then I kept that, then I put the hope with that. Hope with the contemplation. We all good, Nas? Okay. Uh, hope 
with the contemplation of afterlife combined so that his work would be a good deed for him. So that's how it works. And Allah Ta'ala has told Li'ilafi Quraysh. Li'ilafi Quraysh means to bring Quraysh close. Al-Ulfa is to be near. I don't know if you guys have this all over the country, but there's Ma'luf, car dealer. Like he's one of the biggest car dealers. He's Lebanese. Ma'luf, which means the easy to deal with, easy going person, right? To deal with. The Prophet said the, the Muslim is Alif and Aluf. Which means that he should be easy to deal with and is when you deal with him and he's easy when he deals with you. That's an attribute of a believer. That's how it should be. Okay. So, li'ilafi Quraysh is to bring Quraysh close. Remember, Allah is not uh, enemy of Quraysh as default, as many people think. No. The default is that he loves his abad. It's when they turn on him, they only bring that negativity back on themselves. So he says, for the good relations with Quraysh, that istilah uh, with Allah is have a good relation with Allah. And li'ilafi Quraysh, for the drawing near of Quraysh to us. Okay. So worship him so that you could draw near to him and that he could make your life easier. And he's made easy for them. What is a sign that Allah was good to them? He gave them rihlat al-shita. He was saif. The journeys of the heavens uh, of the uh, of the winter and the summer. So, well, what's the big deal with that journey? Well, the big deal with that journey is having a journey back in the old days was not easy. Number one, someone could raid you. Number two, when you stop, you got to pay these tribes something. You got to be generous to these tribes, right? When you stop and take a pit stop, you got to be generous to the tribes. But after the birds came, Tayran Ababil, and destroyed Abraha, the reputation of Quraysh was so high that nobody would dare mess with Quraysh, and they were more than willing to be generous to them. So all of a sudden, this trip north became easy, less less uh, expensive, less dangerous. The trip south to Yemen, easy and less expensive. Okay, All of a sudden, your costs are down, your profits are up. So their margins went up. They got rich. They did well. Okay. The blessings of Allah upon them cannot be counted. All right. So, uh, they always did They were always doing this. But after Abraha and the elephants came and the birds came and destroyed all that, they, Quraysh became famous for being Ahlullah, the people of Allah. And nobody wants to mess with them. And on top of that, everyone wanted to marry from them. Everyone wanted to be part of that. That's why Ibn Abbas says the verse that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent you, Rasulan min anfusikum, a, pro- a messenger from your own selves. Ibn Abbas says every single tribe of the Arabs has married into Quraysh. Every single tribe. And, and that accelerated after uh, when the birds came and destroyed all this, and they people that said, this is a miracle from Allah, these are God's people. So now everyone wants to marry into them. Okay? So their youth, when everyone wants to marry to your tribe, you might not be the best guy, but but your tribe has got people interested in you, right? Just for that reason. So in the same way, you could be an American, you go to Eastern Europe with an American accent, you're going to get married, right? Go, go down to certain countries like Morocco, right? With an American accent, or Indonesia. They love Americans. What can you do? For now, right? They love Americans. 
You can get married with ease. Go with any other accent. It's not going to be the case because people like to be associated with the, with the powerful and the favored. So it was life was easy for their youth, easily getting married, right? So continues here. That he says, So all that Allah is asking for is ibadah in return. And this is what we call worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If you have no motivation, your self benefit. To benefit myself. Okay. Your rizq is in the heavens. What does that mean? It means the rain, obviously. The the, the main stuff here is the rain. But it's also that different ibadat. Ryan, what's going on? What's so funny? You got to tell me. Put your mic on and tell us what's what exactly. Ryan's cracking up. I don't know. I can't focus on the tafsir. So he's got to tell us. What is happening here? In the chat. Yeah. Alhamdulillah, people just come on hype. Hamza, Aisha, they're hype. And yeah. then someone comes on, Rashidul Kabir. Yeah. It sounds like a random question. Has Dr. Shadi ever participated in a hadra? And then Maliki Click comes on. He yeah. says, <laughs> so do you mean to categorize him? Oh, my God. And then, and then they come back and says, no, just wondering. I like the Hadra. And then our boy Yasin comes on. He says, I love the Hadra. Oh, my God. <laughs> so there's a side discussion, complete side discussion on the Hadra. We're not going to talk, we talk about the Hadra today, but we're going to talk about the wonders, the beauty of Tawassul that the Prophet has taught. And the actual meaning and understanding of istighatha, which has confused so many people, are confused by it. This hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, it makes it so clear. It's pure tawheed with tawassul and istighatha, and you're going to understand it like the back of your hand. Okay? Okay. So what Allah asked them in return, Worship this Lord. He fed you from hunger, and he secured you from fear. And that's pretty much all that human beings need to be, to now... Now I can begin to live, right? And that's the main thing, what you need. Food and security. Whoever provides the food and provides the security. That's, that, that is basically your, the biggest blessing that you can have, right? It's one of the jobs of men in our ummah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Al-rijal qawamuna ala nisa bima faddalallahu bi ba'dahum ala ba' wa bima anfaqu min amwalihim. Sometimes when I pronounce this, I don't do the tajweed, but I should. Anfaqu min amwalihim. Okay. So the men, they're the maintainers. Qawam, always standing. Standing doing what? Standing earning. Spending his money and protecting. Now if there's a thief in the house, in the middle of the night, all right, so hey, you're married. If there's a thief in the house in the middle of the night, and that guy comes, and he, you hear his, 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 his knife or whatever, who's going out, you or your wife? Right? It's going to be you. No, it's equal. Right? <laughs> they're putting out equal rights all right you go for the first half hour if you're still alive come back i'll come for the next half hour try to fight this dude right not in our culture imagine your daughter calls you but hey dad uh we're we're actually being robbed right now but husband is telling me to go and defend i said forget this husband get a khula i'll pay for it right come back it's not a man not in our religion right subhanallah so security it's your job to secure the house is the job of a husband. But it's also look at security in the country is not something anyone can predict. It's really from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Like who would have predicted Syria would have been a mess like this a couple years ago? 
Who would have predicted Ukraine? Security of nations is something from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There's insecurities that's financial, right? He fed them from hunger. How many Americans went hungry in 2020 because of COVID? Dry cleaners, right, that went out of business. Coffee shops in New York in commuter areas. Chicago, New York, these are massive. They have trams, right? These, these trams or trains or whatever. Rails, commuter rails. All the little coffee shops, all the little restaurants that were supporting that were based on the thousands of people that commute. The biggest restaurant in the world, it's not, a, I don't call it a restaurant, but you know what the, Oz, you know what the, the most frequented restaurant in the entire world, do you know what it is? It's gotta be McDonald's. It's a McDonald's, where? In Japan. Not Japan. It's in uh, Deloran, Connecticut. I think it's Deloran, Connecticut. Something like that. It's in, on, on the turnpike, on Route 95, right? Because that's the biggest artery of commuting is northbound, right? To Connecticut, that McDonald's on the rest stop of the New Jersey, of the I-95. Well, it's I-95, Interstate 95. I, I remember talking to a restaurateur, restaurateur. They're, into the, like they, they're experts in fast food. They all know the business, right? He said that, that they use every day 20 boxes of toilet paper. 20 box a box like this how many rolls are in the box right it's like an airport in that mcdonald's it's in the rest stop that mcdonald's they is the most frequented restaurant in the world because of because of what commuters i wouldn't even call it a restaurant right i mean it is technically a restaurant but mostly when the restaurant you think of sit down and, and eat but this place is frequented by commuters so think of the vendors who supply to those restaurants right when COVID hit, so how many people's hunger increased during COVID? A lot of people just like, and and when you when you can't earn, there's a lot of other psychological problems. It's not just your stomach that's bothering you now, right? You might have your wife and kids looking around at you, right? How does that make a guy, a guy feel? So there's a lot of stuff that goes on at the national level that you cannot control, okay? The national level, then you just can't control who's hungry and who's safe. Okay. Who's here? So, hey, how was the interview? But you look good in that white shirt, man. This is this is resident Suhaib work. You only know traveling Suhaib. Oh, okay. traveling Suhaib doesn't care. He doesn't take his bag out of the car. <laughs> Our guy Suhaib had an interview, so make drop for him. Okay, so that that is the basic your basic summary of Surah Quraysh, which is always connected to Surah Al-Fil, because Surah Al-Fil tells us, which we're going to cover it next week. Surah Al-Fil tells us that how Allah Subhanahu wa Taala's miracle, there was a miracle came for Quraysh. That is also to show the people that when a messenger comes from here, don't be surprised. You've seen miracles come at the hands of Abdul Muttalib. Zamzam was dug by him. The birds of Abraha's elephants came when Abdul Muttalib was your leader. Okay, Abdul Muttalib himself was considered the greatest chief of Quraysh of all time. Okay, he was considered that uh, when you look at the books that talk about Abdul Muttalib, and that's why the Prophet when he was fighting the Ahzab, the Arabs, what was he saying? Okay, 
I'm a prophet. There's no lie about this. I'm the son of Abdul Muttalib. In other words, you knew this. You knew Abdul Muttalib, someone great is going to come from his lineage. And it was said, Abdul Muttalib used to say, this son of mine has a great affair. And people would say, greatness is going to come from that lineage. So that's why he said that, because you all Arabs knew this. I'm the son of Abdul Muttalib. It's also proof that Abdul Muttalib was a Hanif, because a prophet would not have fakhr, pride, through the attribution to a pagan. So he's a Hanif. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen. And Hanifs are not Mu'adhabina bin Nar. Right? We know this. No, firstly, if no messenger comes to a people, they're not punished. That's the Ash'ari and Maturidi opinion, full stop. As for this, the solitary chain hadith that says that Allah tests them on the day of judgment, right? it's a solitary chain hadith. It is an opinion in the Ash'ari school of Aqidah, as Ibn Hajar al-Asqalani says, but it's not the dominant opinion. Why? Because Quran is mutawatir and qat'i. We don't punish until we send a messenger. So firstly, he never received a messenger. Secondly, okay, on top of that, he was a Hanif. All right, now let me teach you something. I'm going to talk about this very quickly and very simply. And I'm going to repeat it again tomorrow. Okay. This is the famous, famous Hadith that the Prophet taught regarding the blind man who asked for his eyesight back. Okay. And this comes with a sound chain of transmission. Okay. Sound chain of transmission. وَهُوَ حَدِيثٌ صَحِيحٌ رَوَى هَذَا الْحَدِيثِ شُعْبَ عَنْ أَبِي جَعْفَرْ وَإِسْمُ عُمَيْرِ إِبْنِ يَزِيدِ وَهُوَ الثِّقَةِ تَفَرَّدْ بِهِ عُثْمَانِ إِبْنِ عُمَرْ عَنْ شُعْبَ قَالَ أَبُوْ عَبْدِ اللَّهِ الْمَقْدِسِ وَالْحَدِيثُ صَحِيحٌ Okay. Now, the hadith, the wording of this hadith is that Okay, read you the whole thing. Okay. Uthman ibn Hunayf shaka ilayhi basarahu. Uthman ibn Hunayf and Amihi Uthman ibn Hunayf. And Rajulan kana yachtalifu ila Uthman ibn Affan fi hajatin lahu. Falaka Uthman ibn Hunayf fashaka ilayhi dharik. Uthman ibn Hunayf, he complained, this man complained to Uthman ibn Hunayf. فَقَالَ لَهُ When was this? This was in the era of Uthman ibn Affan. Uthman ibn Hunayf was watching a man go back and forth complaining his problems to Sayyidina Uthman ibn Affan, the Khalifa. So we're talking now over a decade past, passing after the passing of the Messenger of Allah. So Uthman ibn Hunayf says, come, go to the place of wudu, make wudu. Okay? Go, go to the mosque and play, pray two rakas. ثُمَّ قُلْ Oh, then say, why is he saying this? Because he he learned it from the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Okay. He says, Allahumma inni as'aluka tawheed. Oh Allah, I ask you. Ka is the suffix for you. I ask you, inni as'aluka. Now listen to the next verb. It's very important. Wa atawajjahu ilayka. I turn myself to you. I'm turning to you. I'm coming to you. Okay? Ila ilayka. To you. That's Tawheed. Two times the Tawheed has been made pure. I ask you and I turn to you. But when you turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you always turn with something. I forgive my sins. Hajj. Oh Allah, uh, grant my business success. Okay, with what? Okay, dua. 
With what are you asking Allah? I'm asking, oh Allah, with this charity, save my mother from any difficulty in the grave. Charity. Okay. So the word atawajjah, I turn, I face you, I'm coming to you. It has two prepositions. To whom and with what? Okay. To whom and with what? So I'm going to you. Oh Allah, atawajjahu ilayka binabiyyika Muhammad. By your prophet Muhammad So let's talk about this What does that mean? I turn to you by the prophet Okay, when you turn to Allah If you need something for Allah My kid is sick Charity, fasting You're going to do some deed, right? Who is the source of all those deeds? Isn't it the messenger? You wouldn't know how to fast Without the prophet You wouldn't even know Allah's name without the prophet Okay. Yes, the Arabs, they had the name Allah But the Arabs are not, the pagan Arabs are not a reliable source for us. Only when a prophet came and said, yes, his name is Allah, right? Then we can know. I mean, there are pagans in India that tell them Brahman and Shiva and, and all that. Do we take it from them? Maybe it came from Ibrahim. Who knows, right? We don't know. Yet maybe in some Hindi prophet taught them one of Allah's names back in the old days. But we don't know. So we don't take it from them. So likewise, the pagan Arabs, yes, they had the name of Allah, but we didn't know it's the name of Allah until the Prophet came and confirmed it for us. So, Salah, Tahajjud. You go to Allah, you need help, you pray Tahajjud. Who taught you Tahajjud? Who taught you Salah? Who taught you Wudu? Who taught you all of these things? So the source of it all is the Messenger, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Therefore, the greatest way by which to go to Allah that encompasses everything is by the Prophet. So, Let's ask another question. What does he mean by the Prophet? It means by my iman in him, by my belief in him. Overall, by my attribution in him. We call this al-wala. By my loyalty to the Prophet, we are we are loyal to certain things and we disavow certain things. Okay. It, the left calls it um, solidarity and whatever, canceling, right? Solidarity. Our loyalty. Our wala, our allegiance, okay, is with Muhammad sallallahu He's the one who taught us all of these other ibadat, okay? So that's what it means. I turn to Allah by the Messenger sallallahu alayhi It means by my loyalty to him, by everything. That's the tawassub, okay? Bin Nabi sallallahu alayhi Then what? Inni atawajjahu ilayka bi nabiyika Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam rahma And then what he says? Ya Muhammad, Ya Ahmed, istighatha. What does it mean? Why would I say Ya Muhammad, Ya Ahmed? You are in, you are informing that you are turning to Allah by Him. Ya Muhammad, Inni atawajjahu bika ila the two prepositions by you to Allah. Tawheed. So when we are saying, Ya Muhammad, it is not the Ya of Dua. It's the Ya of informing. Ya Muhammad, I am turning by you, meaning my loyalty to you, my Iman in you, to Allah. Now let's ask another question that's commonsensical. How are you saying that to the Prophet when he's passed away? Rahimallah, uh, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Because Sayyidina Muhammad sallallahu is not limited to his body. He's far greater than his soul is greater than his body, right? Yes, his body is not walking on the earth. 
But the soul of the Messenger وسلم, receives the salawat of the people and receives the deeds of the people. We know that. Prophet وسلم, said, amarukum. I, your, your deeds are sown unto me. And your salah and your salam is sent unto me. And every salah you should have asked before this hadith, you should ask in the salah, why do we say, As-salamu alayka, ayyuhan nabi wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Peace be upon you, O Messenger of Allah. So the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu as the Prophet of this Ummah, the leader of this Ummah, his status in his grave, in the afterlife, is not like any other status. Allah is sending the people's salam upon him. And the people's istighatha with him. And that Ya Muhammad is not the Ya of Dua. It's the Ya of Ikhbar bittawajjuhi bihi. Okay? Is informing that I'm turning to Allah through you. Now, we don't do that for everything else because it's not alive. You don't say, oh, tahajjud, I turn to Allah through you because tahajjud does not have ears, right? Tahajjud does not have a soul that's alive. You don't say, oh, Ramadan, I turn to Allah through you. You don't need to do this, right? Because it's not alive. But the Messenger, وسلم, is alive and therefore it requires a different adab. Who taught us that adab? We don't make up adab, okay? Followership of the Prophet, adab with the Prophet is taught by the Sahaba. Here is your Sahaba telling you this. The Prophet himself taught this dua to Uthman ibn Hunayf, who then taught it later on in his life in the Khilafah of Uthman ibn Affan. Ya Muhammad. Another one said, Ya Muhammad, Ya Ahmad. Inni atawajjahu bika ila rabbik. Okay? I turn through you, with you, by you, to Allah. Tawheed. Okay? And then there's different wording of uh, to, for Allah to fulfill my wording. Okay. For uh, uh, I said word. For Allah to fulfill my need. Okay. And then what? Then it closes with another tawheed. Allahumma fashafi'hu fi. Oh Allah, make him an intercessor for me. The Prophet is already intercessor. But who says he's an intercessor for you? That Allah has to accept that. And this Tawheed is showing you that it is only by Allah's permission that he has made the Messenger وسلم, an attribution to him and allegiance to him and trust in him and belief in him and intercession. Okay? It's Allah who's made it an intercession. Allahumma shafi'ahu fi. There's different wordings of this. Oh Allah, accept that this intercession through the Prophet وسلم, is acceptable to you. So it begins with Tawheed and it ends with Tawheed. And then in the middle is what are we offering to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? It is our attribution to the Prophet وسلم, and our iman in him. And the istighatha here, Ya Muhammad, is ikhbar informing the Messenger وسلم, I am taking you as my means in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. My deeds may not be acceptable. However, because I love you, I attribute myself to you, I follow you. Then perhaps Allah Ta'ala will draw, will accept me. In the same way, my my deeds are no good. I'm faqir in Allah. I myself am nothing. But maybe sadaqah to this poor person will bring the mercy of Allah. Maybe teaching a child Quran will bring a person to Allah. All of these are deeds, and the Prophet is the source of all deeds. Okay. This is the dua and the famous hadith and the famous dua that is has in a dua wa tawheed wa tawassul wa istighatha all of it is in one
So now listen what happened. Okay? Listen to what happened. He's the man did it. He says, Wallahi. Then, next day. Next day. The man comes back to Uthman ibn Hanif. He said, Wallahi, thank you. He did it. He did what he told. He says, thank you so much. Uthman ibn Affan gave me everything. And before I met you, he didn't. He wasn't paying attention to me. He was too busy. Okay, But today, he fulfilled all my needs. Okay? So thank you for talking to him. Sayyidina Uthman says, Wallahi, I did not speak to him one word. Okay? I did not speak to him one word. Okay? Rather, shahidtu Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Rather, I had seen the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. I'm a sahabi, in other words. I saw the prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. A blind man came to him. Fashaka ilayhi. So he complained to him. That his he's blind. Prophet said, Could you be patient with this? He said, Oh Mazrullah, I cannot. I have so many needs. Can't be patient with this. Okay. Then the Prophet told him exactly what I told you. Okay. Exactly what I told you. And then for Wallahi, he said, Wallahi, the gathering in the masjid was not over. That man had prayed, uttered those words, and came back to us fully sighted. Okay. Now let's talk about this for a second. Sayyidina Isa ibn Maryam, he would just put his hand on a man's eyes and he'd be sighted, right? This is a greater miracle. Why is it a greater miracle? Because this is something we could do. Whereas at the time of Sayyidina Isa, if you didn't see it, it's a miracle for him only. It was well, Sayyidina Isa has passed on. He's not in this world anymore. So how can we get that? But the Prophet ﷺ has taught us something that everybody's needs can be met. Rather than simply one miracle, all right, that only benefits that one man, and it benefits, strengthens the faith of everyone else who saw it, okay, and the people who heard about it, less so, because hearing is less than seeing. But the Prophet ﷺ's method is to give some someone something that everyone else could imitate and that's why this dua al-haja. inshallah we're going to repeat this again tomorrow we're going to put the dua on the screen okay but just remember that the word tawajjuh i turn has two prepositions to allah with what you always must turn with something i oh allah i turn to you with my poverty because allah is merciful i turn to you with my fasting I turn to you with this hajj. I turn to you with this sadaqah that I'm about to give. I turn to you by teaching children Quran. I turn to you the story, the famous hadith of the cave where three men were, were in a cave and then the rock was moved a little by, they, they were they were stuck by a rock in the cave. And then they each made tawassul through a deed. Oh Allah, we turn to you by this good deed and each one mentioned a good deed of his. One of them's good deeds was he was so good to his parents he went and he would not feed his kids milk. Okay, they were very poor until his parents woke up. The parents fell asleep one night. He stood there with the milk and would not feed his kids before he feeds his mother and father. So he made to us with that. Another man made, he said, Oh Allah, I, we turn to you in this prayer with what? One man, he said, I had a man, a worker, that I owed him two sheep. 
and he left before I paid him. But I kept track of the babies that those two sheep had and their offspring and their offspring and their offspring. And when the man came back, I gave him those two sheep and all of their offspring. In other words, he didn't have to do that. He could have lied. We can't tell sheep from sheep. I could have just gave him two sheep. He gave him that. He's so honesty in business. Okay. The rock moved a little bit more. The third one now, you might say, oh, well, I don't have any of these good deeds. Well, listen to the third one. He said, oh, Allah, I turn to you because of that cousin that I had that was so beautiful. I wanted to marry her. She rejected me for marriage. A second time she rejected me for marriage. She cut, she rejected me for marriage a number of times. And I wanted her so badly for marriage. Then times changed. She became poor. And she came to me for a loan. And I said, you know what the price is. And she went and she laid down on the bed. And then as I'm about to commit fornication with her, because she's needing neither the money, she said, don't break the seal. Fear Allah. I got up right away. I gave her the money. I said, go ahead. His good deed was not committing zina, right? When he wanted to commit zina. So at tawajjuh, facing Allah, turning to Allah, is to and by. It's two prepositions there. Ila and bi. And the istighatha here is, as a subki said, istighatha ala sabil tawassul. Meaning, it is istighatha, informing that I'm making tawassul. I am asking Allah by you. That's the meaning of that. Ya Muhammad. Sallallahu alayhi Allahum. And then he gives you the various different wordings, the tabari, all the muhadithin talk about this. Okay. And the Allahumma shafi'ahu fi wa shafi'ani fi. Okay. I've seen different riwayat, but it is a hadithun sahihun. Okay. That is narrated in a tirmidhi and other. And other books. All right. So, what do you think of that, Suhaib? Suhaib left us. Suhaib has a mic. Oh, no, no, he's right here. I need to make myself work. While we open up for the Insta, I think what's uh, truly miraculous about the hadith is that yeah. it's actually consistent with. Come uh, closer. Okay. I think what's truly miraculous about the Hadith is that it's consistent with all the foundational principles of Iman as a whole, mm -hmm. because ultimately what the Hadith, at least what I'm gleaning from the Hadith, is that it is actually another manifestation of uh, the creed of, of our deen, which is la ilaha illa Muhammad Rasulullah. And that is the ultimate separation between truth and falsehood, good and evil. That's the ultimate thing. And so at the bare minimum, when you were acknowledging that the Prophet Muhammad is the intercessor, he is the, the seal, yeah. what you're actually acknowledging is the foundational principle of our faith. Mm -hmm. And so that manifestation of that is actually at the core of everything that is related to our tradition. Because uh, when we do deeds, where do we learn these deeds from? The source of all deeds is belief in the Prophet Right? So that's the source of everything. And that's why it's the greatest wasila, Because it's the source of everything. This is one of the reasons why the hadith, that's how they explain the hadith. Dhikrillah. Um, Prophet says, should I not tell you something greater than smiting swords and getting smitten with swords and giving gold and silver? They said, yes, Allah. He said, dhikrullah. Why? Because dhikrullah corrects the intention, which is the only way 
for all those deeds to be accepted. Okay. So as a technical fiqh point, the scholars then have probably different statements on, to, to, uh, they, they agree that to us, love of the righteous, they agree that love of the righteous is also wasilah. They differ, may, uh, may, perhaps they differ, but I don't think really they differ much on the istighatha by awliya. In other words, to do the same thing with the awliya of Allah. Now you say, well, why would we do that when we have istighatha with the Prophet Okay. Well, there, there are reasons. Because it may be that at that certain point that this wali, something great has, uh, karama from Allah has manifested to him. It could be for some reason that it's on your mind, right? And it could be both at the same time. But we're not here talking about istighatha with the awliya. We are talking about, purely about this hadith contains in it dua, tawheed, tawassul, and istighatha. These are names that came afterwards to describe what's happening. It is informing. I turn it to Allah by you. Isn't it also the nature of submission as a whole? Because if you look at human beings in the jinn, yeah. we're the only beings or I mean, obviously there are other worlds but we're the only ones with free will so if you look at everything that's created yeah. by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala rocks trees gravity whatever they don't have a choice in the matter so they acknowledge the truth of reality yeah the general and the specific mm -hmm. so you've got the general which is there is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he is the creator yeah but the specific is the prophet muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa so that dua is actually I guess you could say, uh, lining us up with the reality that everything else in creation already recognizes. Yeah. And see, what many people think is uh, every time the word ya, it's a dua, right? Here, look at what clearly what the word is saying. Ya Muhammad, oh Muhammad, I'm turning to Allah by you. Okay. That's the meaning of it. And this is what many people have. Uh, There's an element of gratitude too in there. Is that because? It's gratitude. Yeah. To the Prophet Muhammad himself, because when you're saying through you, like you said before, it's actually, as the, the scars have also said, it's actually recognizing that it, we would be blind without without him. Yeah. We wouldn't know what to do without him. And so what we're saying is that we understand the general reality, but we don't understand the specific reality that is actually mm -hmm. going to create that um, level of peace or that sense of sakin and tranquility that we need. It's extremely important to elevate the uh, attention that a Muslim gives to the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam we would not have any of these deeds without the Prophet it's just as simple as that you would not know anything without the Messenger how do you thank the Messenger you don't say thank you to the Messenger you give Salah and Salam and you represent his Sunnah Us? Yeah, um, yesterday I heard in a lecture from Sheikh Ibn Yeah. where he said that Imam Malik was asked the question that when I'm in the Haram in the Masjid Nabui um like, who do I turn to? Do I, you know, when I'm making dua, do I turn to like the grave of the Prophet, yeah. or do I turn to the Qibla? And Imam Malik said, Why would you ever turn away from the grave of the Prophet? He's a distributor. Allah is the giver and he's a distributor. Yeah, subhanAllah. Oz just quoted Imam Malik when a man asked him, When I'm in the Masjid, visiting the Masjid in Nabawi, and I'm visiting the Prophet, and I want to make dua, do I turn my back to the Prophet and face the Qibla, or do I stay facing the Prophet? And Maddox said, how could you ever turn your back to the Messenger Sallallahu when Allah has, when he has said, Allah is the giver and I'm the distributor. Now, if you're, if you're sitting in front of the Prophet Sallallahu and he's alive, would, and, he said, and you're making dua, 
would you turn your back to him all of a sudden? Right? How many people sitting in a halaqah, they just make dua? Right? And the adab to the Prophet living is as his adab after passing. And that's another quote from Imam Malik. His, his hurma mayitan ka hurmatihi hayyan. His hurma in death is his hurma in life. Hurma means the sanctity, the respect and the honor. Sanctity is that when something's sacred, you have more rules to it, more respect to it. Like the, the Masjid al-Haram, many youth wonder, why is it called Masjid al-Haram? Well, haram is something bad, right? Haram because there's more stuff that's haram there, right? There is a haram, something sacred, there are more rules there, okay? Right, so the hurma of a human is not the hurma of an ant. You can kill an ant if it becomes a pest. You can't kill a human if it becomes a pest, right? If a human is becoming pesty and annoying, you can't kill him. But you can kill a cockroach if he's a, it's pesty and annoying. So uh, hurma is that it involves that there are more rules in respecting it and honoring it because it's so sacred. How much of yeah. it is also uh, tied to the notion that, going back to this idea of submission, that mm -hmm. we as human beings, obviously because we're not the creator, we have no right in determining who has that elevated rank or station. Yeah. yeah. So the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, you know, obviously when you're making dua through him, mm -hmm. he's the apex. You have a guarantee. Well, he's but he's also the apex. Yeah. And so, in particularly in modern times where there's this notion of the ego yeah. or the self being the highest or the apex. Oh, yeah. There's a reversal of this completely because what we're saying yeah. through this dua is that regardless of how you feel about yourself or others or other powers, anything, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala determines what is the apex, not you. That's an important point. And many people, they have an issue with this concept of honoring the messenger because they have an issue with that another human being. Is, is given any that type of respect or that not respect maybe that of course I think every Muslim would respect the Prophet but the Quran only and the people who downgrade from the maqam of the Prophet they're, they're, they, they, what they have I believe is an issue with that they have an issue oh, he's a human just like us okay if he's a human just like you go start a civilization and start a religion and start all that right he's not a human just like you subhanallah Go have all the family that he had. Nine wives. You don't even have one, right? He had nine at one time. And he had the entire peninsula waging a war against him. And still was able to come out and make people love him. You know how, how much of a positive, relaxed mood you need to be in to be lovable? Right? And if you waged war that much, wouldn't your personality be changed? Like you, you, you would become like a rough, tough, like nervous, I don't have time for nonsense type of person, right? People who run like a, a Dunkin' Donuts, they become like that just because he owned one Dunkin' Donuts. He's like at war with the world because of the, <laughs> he's, he's, he's got a challenge. A guy owns, owns a business, right? These guys who own these companies, they walk around like kings and they walk around like killers because that's the attitude they took on when they ran the business. When the business succeeds, he's an arrogant prick, right? Here you have the Messenger He did all that and he won. He conquered all these. And he did not take the spoils for himself. He gave it all away and he sat on the floor and he slept on the floor. Show anybody to win all those spoils of war. So Mecca would have been all his. He could have. Okay. He had the right. And which the law is one fifth of the spoils is for him. Right? He's the one who led it all. He led the campaign. Right? He initiated it. He's a founder of the religion. Go to thought if one-fifth of that is him. 
Okay. Imagine an American today. One fifth of New York is yours. One fifth of Chicago is yours. Conquered territories, right? Conquered wealth. And then give it all away. I mean, that's why they say the Prophet was the richest man in Arabia. Because you, if, if you gave it all away, that means you owned it at some point, right? So to, why? Why is that important? To show the rich that Islam did not decrease him in wealth. Submission to Allah did not decrease him in wealth. It increased him in wealth, right? And he chose to give it all away. Okay? Other people, Islam increases them in wealth. They may give some away. They may keep some, different, depending on themselves. So to show that Prophet Sallallahu is not like anybody. He went out in Isra and Mi'raj. Did you? Right? Did you have anything close? So this concept of Muhammad's a man and we're men. And he's just a man who just brought the message. We're at war with that type of idea. That ideology. And to me, I don't even know if they're Muslims who have that type of idea. You talk like that. Fasiq of Aqli. Okay, what is a Fasiq? Now we can go to the open QA, by the way. You guys want to talk open QA? It's, it's up now for grabs. It's Monday is the day for open QA. Doesn't have to be related to the topic. Uh, first question is, what is a, the fasiq that we can pray behind? We cannot pray behind. Fasiq in our fiqh is of two types. The fasiq of limbs and the fasiq of creed. The fasiq of limbs is the person who openly and publicly and shamelessly disobeys Allah. He has no problem. Like he opens a liquor store. He has no problem with it. The fasiq. Prayer behind him, he should not be put up to be the imam, but if you did pray behind him, it's a valid prayer. Fasiq of creed, the rule with fasiq of belief, is that as Ibn Umar said, if they were to give a mountain of gold, Allah would not accept it from them. Their deeds are not valid. Ibn Umar said this about the qadariyah. Okay? People who denied qadr. So we say about that is that uh, we don't pray behind them. That none of their good deeds are valid. But if they correct their beliefs, then they can get their good deeds back. All right. Here's another question from BMW. I respect and love my parents. I'm in a situation I see my parents supporting and siding with my brother. He abuses his wife physically, and the kids are scared of me. But your brother abuses wife physically. These kids are scared of you. How can I side justice and be obedient at the same time? Um, you, you, be, you do not side with the oppressor and do not anger your parents at the same time. You have to find where the middle is, where I'm not siding with the oppressor and I am, I am siding with the victim. And I'm not oppressing, upsetting my parents at the same time. Okay, so Obviously, every case has its own scenarios. We don't know the scenarios of this case, but that would be a rule. Imam Madik was once asked by a man. My, he said, my mother is in Sudan and my father is in Egypt. My mother said, come to me. And my father said, come to, come to me. What do I do? He said, go to your father and uh, uh, obey your, uh, go to your father and don't disobey your mother. So you have to find a way okay, to give the rights of Sharia where they're due and not to upset those who should not be upset. Next question. Brian, what you got? Is it permissible for a woman who is alone to pray her fard prayer in the car when it's too cold or too dangerous to pray standing and no accommodation nearby? Yeah, okay, question is, a woman wants to make salah. In the wintertime, she's driving somewhere, but the 
prayer time is going to go out and it's either too cold or it's dangerous to pray outside. Can she pray sitting? And the answer is, if it's dhuhr, she waits and then prays at home even if asr has come in. And it's sinful because we should plan for the prayer. But if it happened in a way that you couldn't plan it, then fine, khalas. There's no sin against you because you couldn't plan it. If it's asr, then you would you would pray sitting and you should repeat it when you get home. If it's maghrib, you wait and you pray even in Aisha time. But if it's Aisha, you would pray sitting. Okay. Like in a plane, essentially. But there is even some ulama who repeat their prayer when they pray it on a plane. Yeah, because they're not standing and they willfully got on the plane. Safa says, in the dua of Nisr Shaban, we ask Allah to change what is in Ummul Kitab. I thought only the Lawhil Mahfud can be changed. Yes, there may be some different on the name of which book is which. Wallahu ta'ala alam. And Allah knows best. Okay. How can one pray Rosa Rasul Saw? Sallallahu alayhi wa What are the other? Pray at, oh, the Rawla. I thought he's talking about fasting for a second there, because I do know my Urdu now. Uh, how can we one pray at the Rauda? You go in and you pray at the Rauda, and you make an intense dua, and you don't think about the dunya, unless it's a matter of dua, then acceptable make dua for your deen and akhirah, and then your dunya. Okay. How do we reconcile with something? This is cozy Chloe, as gruesome as stoning to death in Islamic law. Reconcile it, that hellfire is a lot worse. And when you uh, do a, a major sin that is like that, you are earning for yourself the hellfire. And hellfire is a lot worse. And stoning is something that the Prophet ﷺ, he told us that um, uh, avoid the hudud as much as possible, n meaning judges. Find some doubt to downgrade the crime. All right. Find some doubt to downgrade the crime. Adri'ul hududa bishak, Prophet's hadith. Find a doubt that would cause you to downgrade the crime, not had worthy. So it's on the job of the judge to try to not establish hudud. We don't run around and look for hudud, okay, to establish upon people. So that's the answer to that question. And, and, um, The Sayyidina Ali, one time he had a companion, not that he wasn't a Sahabi, he was his companion like a Tabi, but he was always in the company of Sayyidina Ali. He stole. So Sayyidina Ali established, had to establish the head upon him because he had stole a certain amount, he had broken a lock, blah, blah, blah. And then the people, man came and said, now you must hate Ali. He said, no, I love him more because I would have been punished for that on the Yom Al-Qiyam. But the head erases my crime. It erases it completely. Okay. Is it normal if you say, yeah, Muhammad, um, because a local scholar said it's permissible because he would pray to Allah and in the end, Allah is doing the work. Um, we wouldn't say the phrase, Allah is doing the work. We would say Allah is fulfilling our need. Correct. And if you heard, if you heard to the beginning, we explained the dua of Uthman ibn Hanayf from the he took from the Prophet ﷺ, whom the Prophet gave to a blind man, in which he said, "We are when we are calling and saying, Ya Muhammad.' In that dua, 
it means ya muhammad i am turning to allah through you the turning the tawajjuh is always to allah who it's through or by what deed are you offering can differ i turn to oh allah and turning to you by my salah i'm turning to you by teaching kids quran i'm turning to you by giving food to the poor and I'm turning you by the Prophet, meaning by my belief in the Prophet, my love for the Prophet. And yeah, Muhammad is as if saying, I'm informing you that I'm turning to Allah through you. That's what it is. Is there any recording occurrence in our history of a flying wali? Says Jimmy Jims. There's flying walis, there's flying kuffar, there's flying munafiqeen, there's flying Zionists. They all, they made planes and they flew. What's the... What's the difference, right? <laughs> right? What's the difference? Right? They all flew. Isn't that a miracle, though? Like, that's a, if a person was to fly, that's a karam. Okay. There must be an explanation of an angel carrying him that we can't see, right? All right. That, that, that would be the explanation of a flying, what you, an angel that we can't see carrying. Well, we believe in angels. Take a bunch of metal and a bunch of gas, right? And send 30 people in the air, uh, 300 people in 30,000 feet in the air and make money off of it. That's also a heck of a miracle, right? <laughs> so uh, I don't know about uh, any stories of flying Aulia personally, but um, uh, I wouldn't take, I'll take an airline and a, and, and a private jet. Okay. What would you rather have? The ability to fly yourself or the ability to own a private jet? The ability to fly. People will be scared of you, right? <laughs> they won't come near you. You'd be a freak, of, right, in the society. You own a private jet. A lot of good things are going to happen to you, right? You could lease that thing out. <laughs> You'd have to work another day in your life. So I'll take the chunk of metal. We, we aren't karama chasers. Uh, Kim says, what was the end result with khawla? After the surah came down in regards to her situation, Awla bint Thalaba, Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, she complained to the Prophet sallallahu Okay, She complained to the Messenger, peace be upon him, and Allah heard her dua, and Allah revealed Quran. Okay, Well, revealed Quran about her. And I want to make a quote because I hope I'm not mistaking two situations in which the Prophet ﷺ went to the uh, man and asked if he would leave her. But I, I don't want to confuse. I think I believe I'm, I'm confusing two stories, actually, because there was another woman who said, I don't complain about my husband in deen or character, but I fear kufr, meaning I fear to be ungrateful to him. Right, and then the Prophet said, "Did he give you anything?" She said, "He gave me a garden as a gift." He said, "He brought the man," and he said, "Would you return the garden to him?" She said, "Yes," and he said, "And now divorce her, because he gave you something back. He gave you that's called a khula." So we'll look that up just to make sure that I don't have a mistake between the two. Yes. In a lot of the hadith compilations in English that are translated, I've been asked this a couple of times, you'll see comments or quotes from the Sahaba, and they'll just say Messenger of Allah, but they don't say Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Is that just something that the translators omitted on their own, or was it something that 
as time progressed that people eventually started saying because I see oftentimes that you know there are hadiths where uh, at least the English translations of it you'll see they didn't put it there they didn't put it there it said that Allah Adam that if it's not written it should be written however that it may be assumed that it was spoken perhaps the person spoke it just out of husn al-dhan that the writer uh, wrote it and then spoke it and Allah knows best but the issue is that it should be written and there was a man who um, uh, who used to write sallallahu alayhi as a scribe he was a scribe so he has to write books for his copy books for his living and he would write uh, sallallahu alayhi okay and then the, he saw the prophet in a vision one night and he said why do you always leave off 40 right and then the, the man didn't understand what, he, what the prophet meant so he received the second vision and third vision and then he, he said why do you leave off wasallam that's 40 hasanat four letters times 10 each so then from that on he kept saying some he would write sallallahu and it's funny to find like an email this big but it's you've got three thousand word email and sallallahu alayhi wasallam is four words but you have to write saw right or saws or s uh it seems to me don't write anything at all and say it with your mouth better than cheaping out nowadays you have no excuse because you could get the glyph and it's an autotype so it has to be it doesn't necessarily have to be spoken in that language i mean i've seen other cultures maybe people will touch their hearts or something there's some manifestation of that of that saying is what you're saying it just differs from culture to culture or is that something that is a, i don't want to say official but it's something that is the standard the standard is just to write it and say it. something like that that's the standard and then for for prophets and for sahaba and for everybody else there's rahimahullah everybody else that's a standard i do know something about the um the english translations uh, so for a lot of english translations the especially if they have the arabic as well they'll keep the arabic with with salam throughout but on the english they'll do it the first time and then leave it out the rest i see okay makes sense uh jimmy jim says did the jinn live at the earth at the time of dinosaurs Allahu Adam. probably who knows Ryan, what you got? We got a lot of questions. We got a lot in the question box. We're going to read after one, too. Okay. All right, go ahead. Let's see. Um, I'll go to who asked first. All right, we got a scenario here. Yes. <laughs> a girl who does wedding events. A with, girl who does wedding events. With mixed mixing genders. And sits all dressed in front of Mahram. Her father is the Imam. The Imam invites people to her wedding. Imam not willing to answer. Shall we not pray behind him? <laughs> okay. So this question seems like one of those that they're going to take the, the screenshot and send it to the dad, right? Uh, basically, summary is this a man is a sheikh, but his wife. Or his daughter is doing something that would prob would I mean be considered involved with munkar, which is mixed gatherings. And I think maybe he said that she dressed in a, in a way that's not according to the Sharia or something like that. Uh, would that be a reason why uh, for us not to pray behind the Imam? Okay. Uh, 
Well, Adam, because in some cases people don't have control over their family members. If they're like 25, 30, yeah, it's a balat for him is for sure. But I don't think that we would not pray behind him just because of what his family does. Even, okay, maybe he made a mistake in how he, but then again, certain dynamics are different. You know, maybe she wasn't raised with him. Maybe she was raised somewhere else right maybe he entered into became an imam late in life oh these plants need hey yeah he can go get water these things are abused these plants are abused uh <laughs> the uh you never know what happens to people it's you do have to have a husband done maybe you know the situation so you're angry about it like that questioner he may know the situation so he's angry about it but you just you just never know subhanallah and we ask Allah to protect us from anyone or ourselves just doing something openly to disobey Allah Ta'ala. Uh, but you don't have to pray behind someone you don't like or you think that maybe they're 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 not a good imam. You're not obligated to pray behind them in the first place. But I don't think that would be the category because he himself has not done the wrong. You never know how much he talks to his daughter. Maybe he says, maybe he doesn't talk to her for, for some other reason. Maybe he already tried. Maybe she's too old. Who knows? Who knows? Here's a question. Is it permissible to ask Allah for a sign if what you are making dua for will come? Yes, you can. You can. You say, oh Allah, show me a sign that I'm on the right track with this dua and you will receive a sign. You could receive a sign. That sign could come in different ways. It could come when you go to recite the Quran next time and you open up and the first verse is, فَاسْتَجَابَ لَهُ رَبُّهُ or you open a YouTube video and you're just listening.
How do you expiate an oath? You would fast three days. And we'll talk about oaths because there's some tafsir. Talk about oaths, oaths later. I heard salawat is accepted even if one is heedless. Yes, that's true. Does it apply to other athkar? Not necessarily, but at least your tongue is not committing sins. That's the value of if you're, let's say, not paying attention in dhikr, it still has a value. At least your tongue wasn't committing sins. Next question. Hasib. Can we do eight rakahs of tarawih instead of 20? You can do, do two if you want. Tarawih, the minimum of tarawih is two rakahs. There is no limit to how many rakahs you can do at tarawih. There's no maximum. Masajid, it is sunnah for them to follow the sahaba, which was 20. So if you're a masjid, it is a sunnah for you to establish the tarawih that was established in the masjid, which is 20 rakahs. For the Sunnis. For the Sunnis. The Shias don't even pray tarawih. So, or the uh, Mujassimah. Uh, Mujassimah. Even then Mecca, the, in Mecca is 20. But even those who say eight, so we're not gonna we're not saying that your tarawih doesn't count. It's tarawih. Two, six, eight, 20, 28, 26, 36. Sayyidina Umar ibn Abdul Aziz made it 36 rakahs to have more breaks in it so that people could leave if they get tired and make it sh shorter per rakah. Showing also that it's, it can be changed, right? But if they're saying eight because the Prophet prayed eight, the Prophet prayed eight in his home by himself. The Sahaba established 20 in the masjid. That's why, according to, I think, all four madhabs, what is sunnah? It's not saying that everything else is invalid. No, but what is sunnah is to follow what the Sahaba did as a jama'ah prayer in the masjid is 20. Um, what's like the Maliki opinion on this? I remember like last year or two years ago, yeah. back and forth between the Maliki scholars and I don't like yeah. Saying that Sheikh Zahir was saying something, and uh, Sheikh Hamza Makhlul was had like a differing opinion. No, the books say, for example, Akrab al Masari, that this, the, it's 20 rakahs, but what, what is meant by that is the masajid should establish it 20 rakahs, but as a like a, a, a sunnah to follow those, but it's not uh, invalid otherwise. You're not sinful otherwise. If Master said, All right, we're going to establish it 10 rakahs, they're not sinful for that. All right. The, and, and if you pray tarawih at home, if you pray two rakahs with the intention of tarawih, it's tarawih. Of course, it's not going to be the same reward as 10 or as 20, right? But it is um, tarawih nonetheless. Safa says, can an event that happens as a result of sins be a test instead of a punishment? It all depends on how you react. If you react by drawing near to Allah and tawbah, then that sin is elevating you. If you react by just being patient, but you're miserable and in pain, it's a forgiveness of your sins. It's a removal of your sins, I should say. Expiation of sins. If you react by committing more sins and going further from Allah, then it's a punishment. So it all depends on how you react. What is the most effective dhikr? Is recitation of the Quran without a doubt. And then after that, it is going to be salah on the Messenger Sallallahu all right, car aristocrat, which is Abbasi. I met him actually. He came to Laylatul Nisfa Shaban event. He's from the Abbasi clan. Okay. What are the conditions to wiping over one's socks for wudu? Being a Hanbali. That's the condition. And you do all your entire wudu as a Hanbalite. Okay. And there are still conditions for the socks. It's not just any socks. Yeah, I've heard that, and I've heard that it's any sock. I've heard both. 
And um, there's certain materials that you can't use, as far as I know, from okay. like, from the, the Hamblites. Yeah. Okay. So you have to ask uh, 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 Sheikh Sadiq, Yusuf ibn Sadiq, Yusuf ibn Sadiq, and you have to become a Hamblite. So Al Abbasi Al Hambali. From now on, since you're a wiper on socks, you must be a Hambali then, right? Okay. How are we, Nura Dusulas? You're here, testing one, two, three. She says, Ryan, how are we doing on YouTube? What you got? We got a question from Fayazuddin Ahmed Said. He said, Sheikh, may Allah have mercy on your parents. Ameen. Ameen, and yours too. Some would say that Allah provides even for the kuffar. And yes. we see them getting their needs and desires fulfilled without any ibadah, yes. without making any dua. How would you respond to this when asked about the need and the importance of making dua? What is the point of it if we get what we want anyways? The question is, we see the non-believers always receiving their needs fulfilled. And they get very, you know, uh, uh, blessed lives or happy lives. And they get a lot of nice stuff, but they don't do any ibadah to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. How do we explain this? Well, there's a couple of ways. Um, let's say hypothetically, he's talking about someone who negated the prophecy of Muhammad. He received the da'wah and he rejected it. So that we're not talking about the people who never received the message. Because okay, they're a special case. Okay. Those, that is hayat dunya Hayatul dunya is not Allah's greatest ata. It is not a sign of his love. Getting worldly gifts is not a sign of divine love. It could be in the sense of if it's a, a dua, you ask for something, you got it, and it helped you become more grateful to Allah and do better dawah and do better ibadah and be better in your deen. Then we say that that is a sign of Allah's love. But to receive worldly wealth by itself is not a sign of divine love. To receive worldly wealth is not also a guarantor of happiness. You got to understand this. Happiness is really in the heart of a person. It doesn't mean that worldly wealth is not necessary. It is. At some point, you need it, right? At some point, you want it. It could make you happier, right? But true happiness and the sakina is limited to the people of Iman. There is a, a type of sakina that enters this, the heart of a believer uh, that is limited to belief. That's why Allah says, Bil rahim. With the believers, he's, he's compassionate and rahim, special. Sakina, Allah says, He brought it down upon the believers, tranquility of the heart. So don't make the jump that they have a lot means that they're very happy. Okay, don't make that jump. And secondly, Having a lot of stuff could actually make you more miserable. We call that istidraj, leading someone more astray. Because we said, let's say hypothetically he's an enemy of Islam. right? And all of a sudden, wait, why is he so rich? It could be istidraj. Okay? It could be istidraj. And the Prophet ﷺ said, istidraj is so that then when Allah gets him, okay, he doesn't slip away. What does that mean? That means that when the calamity strikes and you're on the hundredth floor, you're completely finished. You will never recover from it. Okay? So Allah will finish you from the world because you're an oppressor. If you fell from the second story, you just break your ankle and you go oppressing people again. But if he fell from the hundredth story, that fall is so bad, you're finished for good. Because there are empires and there are people, there are human beings who oppress others. They ruin it for, for other people's lives. So when Allah is giving them, he's leading them up, 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 
So when it's time to punish this person and this person slips, they're not slipping from the first story or the second story, slipping from the hundredth. They're finished. Okay. I don't know why everybody Take forgets. the mic. I don't know why everybody forgets about Fir'aun. Like, I mean, this is what I always Fir'aun. say to the Christian with their, yes. you know, you know, prosperity doctrine, right? It's yeah. like, it, it, so you get a lot, I mean, they get like so-called miracles. It's, it's, it's the drudge, but they get, I mean, I, I've heard some crazy stories from the Christians. Yeah. It's all materialistic. If it doesn't have to do with, for some reason, a lot has to do with marriage. They get, they hear voices to marry this person. Okay. Well, fine. But, uh, and that's still kind of materialistic. It's dunyuli. Yeah. But, but like in your own book, you have the story of Pharaoh. Why, why are and you have the story of Jesus, who's yeah, the exact opposite, exactly, right? Yeah. So how about this? These guys uh, in the middle of America, the biggest churches, if you look at what they're promoting, they're not promoting the afterlife. All they're promoting, every single speech, like Joel Austin, every single speech, it's a business speech. It's, a bi it's, it's all to get rich, right? And... Well, that's another yeah. story but uh, Ooh, we gotta hear that one <laughs> i heard need the, to hear that one so the leader was saying to the people right yeah like i was like in the privy group right there's like there's different groups and there was and i was like in the main group yeah with the with the big dude he was saying that basically their goal is they, they literally said it's, it's not about the afterlife it's about recreating the garden on earth <laughs> yeah that's terrible so we say that our number one priority is the afterlife and the dunya the little dunya we rewards is just to get you going right it's like a little appetizer and it's such you need some reason to wake up today right because sometimes if we're weakening men and i think everyone has this a little bit the afterlife seems far off they still have to die well i gotta live first then i gotta die then i gotta wait in the barzakh then there's gonna be resurrection and then how far away is the garden of paradise so it's the ultimate goal but it is in our minds, because of our weakness, our human nature, far away from us. But, so, uh, that the afterlife, akhirah, that goal prioritizes my life. My deen is number one, my family is number two, then my worldly situation is number three. But I also need a short-term goal to wake up tomorrow. Why would I go to work? I need a short-term goal, right? Whether it's to buy a house, to save up for a dowry, to have a really nice presentation for if I'm going to get married, right? You know, I got to present yourself, right? To a father-in-law. Father-in-law may not be looking for just Dean, right? He may be looking for the security of his daughter. I think most father-in-laws do. They're looking for security for his daughter, okay? Not just Dean. So you may be doing that. You may be just building a business for fun. It's what you enjoy doing, right? So you you have to have a short-term goal and a long-term goal. The long-term goal sets your priorities straight. Like I would, you, we should say, we never. I'm never going to disobey Allah for the sake of money. I'm never going to uh, uh, abandon my kids, my wife and my family for the sake of money, right? I'm never going to abandon the masjid for the sake of dunya. The long-term goal sets that priority. The short-term goal gives me the motivation to wake up tomorrow. Like, like, we need something to do in the meantime, right? We need something to do. So that's the idea here. These guys, all they're doing is offering you dunya, dunya, dunya. But my question is, as like Soheb said, hold on. Pharaoh had more than you guys are ever going to have, number one. Number two, aren't you supposed to be on the path of Jesus? He didn't have anything. Like, he literally he had a cup. He didn't have a home. So when I go to a, to a sheikh, 
I expect, I think we all expect, some modicum of rep looking like what the prophet wore, how the prophet prayed, right? Something like that, which is like, we're going to have a beard at least. He may wear a hat to mark that he's the imam, right? We have markers, right? Um, maybe a, a, some loose garment at some point so we know that you're the sheikh. Just like a white lab coat is a demarcator for a doctor. Expensive watches is proof of uh, funds for the businessmen. You know why the businessmen dress the way they do? Right? Businessmen, even the Muslim businessmen, in a certain level of business, when you're talking millions and billions, you can't just go and buy your clothes from like Joseph A. Bank. You got to get the, the, the two, three, four, five thousand dollar suits. The cufflinks have to be very expensive. The watch has to be very expensive. Everything to the T is from a certain places. In New York, they have this. Every city, I think. Why? There, it's, it is. Some of them are showing off. But otherwise, in that field of business, it's proof of funds. Right, so that some some fraud isn't uh, uh, coming to, to 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 do business. When they look at you, yes, there's some riya and showing off, and they're terrible people. We all know that aspect of it. But there is a functional reason of why it got that way, because when I look at you and I deal with you, if you understand that that's the watch, that's the suit, that's in their in that culture. I'm not saying that we should do this, but I'm saying that it's proof of funds. I know that you have the money. Now we can talk. Okay, so. That's that aside, but we expect our shiuch to look something, to dress something like what we think that the prophet would have worn: loose clothing, a beard, mo uh, modesty, but not neither poor, not super glittery rich. It would be a little bit odd if the sheikh came in a Lamborghini, right? It's a bit odd, right? Depends on the country. Right? Yeah, I, I would think it's a bit odd, right? I would also think it's a bit odd if some, let's say, came to MBIC, regular masjid in a complete like beat up car it's a bit odd you'd want something in the middle right anything in the middle would be acceptable there's a high middle there's a low middle in the sense that so that you could relate so someone comes in in a decent car the rich can relate to him and the poor can relate to him right so but what i wonder about these people with the mega churches when you go in there that is not how jesus looked completely shiny right <laughs> And a suit that must cost $5,000 and every week a new suit. Jesus dressed like that? Even the Hasidic Jews. How are you so religious when Jesus, Moses never wore a black suit? Right? Like how are you so much on Moses' law when there is absolutely no way that Moses wore that ridiculous hat? And then there's the big one like this. It's not snowing, right? <laughs> You're not in, in Poland and Ukraine anymore, right? You're in Lakewood, New Jersey. Right? What is up with this? Not to make fun of people, but it's far from what Moses wore. Right? All right. How you guys pray? Is that how Jesus prayed? Where was it that Jesus did this? Right? Like you know, he goes even the Catholic Church. Okay, you're you're wearing robes, but that's some expensive outfits. Those are some expensive suits. Yeah. How how is this Christian? Right? Like gold, like nothing. And he's a this is super asceticism in the Bible. So we expect something similar to our prophet. And, and that's one of the unique things here. All right, Ryan, what you got? Okay, we have another scenario. Hmm. Um, I did istikhara, but things went negatively, and I wasn't able to accept the outcome days later. 
I decided to pray to Hajjud for the same matter. Is it sinful to keep asking despite being shown the answer? They mentioned that this has been happening for 10 years Whoa. and they don't want to give up. Uh, no, it's never sinful to give up, but istikhara is not the only thing you should do. You should do istishara as well. Istishara, you must respect the istishara. Istishara is that you ask advice from people. The people who are knowledgeable in the situation. Istishara. So it's not just istikhara, it's istishara. And no, it is not haram for you to keep asking ever. And Allah, it is said, and it's not a hadith, in Allah yuhibbul abdal lahuh. Allah loves that the, the, the abd that nonstop is asking. Your iman is going to go up with that. But do istishara so you make sure you're at least in generally on the right track in life. Okay. Uh, by asking the experts who know something. Uh, Fatima bint Abdul Rauf, I'm going to answer your question, inshallah ta'ala, about oaths in a full and complete um, video. Yeah. So, so we can cover because there are a lot of things we had we had to cover. Um, we in our religion if the dunya goes well for us we thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we give charity from it we help others with that dunya if Allah gives you fame like Muhammad Ali he got really famous he said I have a responsibility to use this fame for the good right to use the fact that everyone loves me for the good that's shukr to use it for the good and if Allah takes it away it's a feast for your spirit right so you now you can forget about this dunya and focus on your spirit and your akhirah. And there is a pleasure to that, by the way. You might hate it in the beginning, but there is a pleasure in that. You find yourself so relaxed from having to deal with people, deal with the world and all of its desires and expectations, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And you find a sweetness in being alone with Allah subhanahu and not worried about this hajj dunya. Shiyukh, though, they do warn the youth from... Seeking that so much that they actually sacrifice their dunya, they come away ten years later and they regret it. You don't want that, so you have. To, it's better to be balanced. But if the situation comes and you become like, let's say, really sick, he's in bed all the all day or something like that. You can't do a lot of things. You have accidents, and this it's almost as if asceticism is forced upon you. There is a sweetness to it. Is there a contextualization with respect to? Expenditures. So, for example, if you look at the Alhambra Palace in Spain, ridiculous. <laughs> so, yeah. It, so, but they were just employing people, by the way. Right. Alhambra Palace, Alhambra Palace in Granada. All the Muslims came down to Granada because it was the last city. And then the the king there, Al Ahmar and Malik, the, the the Emir there, he had to employ all these artisans, all these artists, right? Like the millennials of. 1492 right <laughs> that's what they were what do we do with all these millennials right take pictures right uh serve coffee right so he had to he had to uh to employ all these all these artisans that was one of the reasons the only thing that was haram about it is the statues but uh, as far as the architecture the celebration of beauty where does art come in, into play so you know with massage that are beautiful obviously there's a the notion that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves beauty. So where does that come into relationships with expenditures and spending and, you know, extravagance? I mean, where's the, the connection between what's the connection between extravagance and, and beauty is and the glorification of Allah and, through it and glorification of Allah through it. So that's first of all, masajid is one thing. And the reason that the Turks, the Ottomans, they spend a lot is to aggrandize, especially Istanbul, 
So when the when the dignitaries come from other countries, they they see the message and they're like, "Wow, that's Tavim, okay, of the house of Allah." Mm-hmm. What is our houses? I think that we should look at the righteous, the pious. Like, what is what are the pious? Let, there there are rich pious people. You're not going to be the first person with money, who's pious, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> so you have a track record, and there's a precedent of people to take as an example. So we take them as an example. Like, what did they do? How did they live? Not one of them, not two of them, many of them, right? What What's the limit for them? And by the way, not all the people are the same. You may be the one pious, you, you may see one pious person in a rich family surrounded by extravagant family members. His rules and his culture and the way he lives is not the same as a rich person from a pious family. So you, that's why you need to get a broad cross-section so you can see who's most similar to me. That's going to give you the range of how much money is reasonable to spend on this matter of Hayat dunya right? That's how we judge these things. Safat says, is it selfish to love Allah for what he has given us? Or should we love him and worship him solely because he deserves it? SubhanAllah Radeem, it's as if the messenger knows exactly what we're going to say. And the Prophet Sallallahu said, love Allah for the good things he gave you. That is the starting point of our love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it will always be like that. And it will develop and add to it the love of Allah for the sake of Allah. But we love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The first, every Muslim, every person must at some point, you go to Allah out of fear for yourself. You could be lost. You'd be a bit depressed. I'm worried for myself. Okay. I'm wor- or, or I'm a sinner. I'm a sinful Muslim youth. I'm worried about my punishment. So fear is the first motive that affects many people. So you look for religion, you look for faith, or you repent to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala out of fear. Then you realize Allah has a lot of promises. There's a lot of promises. If you do this, I give you this wonderful thing. In akhirah, in dunya. So I want something so badly. Well, there's only one power, right? Sometimes when I'm scrolling on my phone, I ask myself, what am I imagining that I'm going to get out of this? There's, there's no, there's, this is not the power. Allah is the only power, right? This is stupid, waste of time, right? So when you realize he's a power who is giving, then you're like, hold on a second. I can get a lot out of this in my hayat dunya okay? So you worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَمِنْ أَنَاءِ اللَّيْلِ فَسَبِّحْ وَأَطْرَافَ النَّهَارِ in the middle of the night remember Allah worship Allah and at the edges of the day okay so that you may be happy okay so that you may be happy so Allah has made us worship him for self-interest and then once you attain those self-interests and those you truly attain those desires then you will by nature by necessity you will turn to Allah for Allah's sake, out of gratitude. Because Allah can, and I believe will, take people who ask for it to the level of, I've been given so much, I literally don't want anything else. This is enough. Okay, you People can generally reach that level. Not forced upon them. It's not forced. They're not trying to be pious. You have to be honest with yourself, in my opinion. If you, Whoever knows themselves knows Allah. Or whoever knows their Lord knows themselves to be more accurate about the phrasing, which means that you have to be honest with yourself, okay? 
And then when you're honest and you make that dua and you work for it, it may take years, but there may come a time that literally you say to yourself, I just, this is way more than I ever wanted or imagined. And I'm now, I literally have no desire in my heart at all for anything except to be grateful for what Allah has given me. And then you spend your rest of your life like that. But there may be come a time where you do want something again. There's nothing wrong with that. They increase your mahabba for Allah. So we should always ask for something that if we receive it, we're grateful. Then it's an increased force, not a decrease. So that's the answer to that sister's question. Um, by the way, uh, 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 Sharif from Detroit. I met him too. Reef 300. Hi, Ryan, did I tell you that? I met Reef 300 in Michigan. Yeah. We had uh, burgers together nice. when the when the flight was canceled, and his brother too. He said, "I once saw a Christian during their celebration; they looked like idol worshippers." Well, well, because their holiday is all based on idol worship. It's all pagan. Everything about it is pagan. Maybe not idol worship, but idol culture, uh, the, uh, the culture of idols. This week we're in Tampa, by the way. If anyone here is from Tampa, Thursday night, I, a Friday morning, I fly out to Tampa, give the khutbah. And then there's going to be a talk at uh, the MCS Oval Theater at 7 o'clock. Next question. Brian, what you got? Okay. This one is from our guy, Nafiz, who traveled to Bangladesh. Um, he, our, I, Nafiz Hamid? Yeah, our guy. Okay. MashaAllah. He asked if it's better to um, study during Ramadan or do more acts of ibadah and recitation? Uh, Ramadan is for ibadah. Ramadan is more about ibadah than studying. Uh, all right, what else we got? How long does your beard have to be? Is what the, uh, according to one opinion, it is in the Maliki school, it is what the people call a beard, what the, the Muslim society would call, refer to as a beard, and that its longest should be the fist length. In another opinion, also in the Madikin method, and I think that's the Hanavi method, the minimum is the fist length. And Allah knows best. Sayyidina Abdullah bin Omar was the first person to do this. All right, next question is... I have one. Go ahead, Ryan. Is vaping without nicotine okay? Like no, we don't do any of that vaping, smoke coming out of your nose like a Dajjal, like a Shaitan. <laughs> no, just think of it. Like sucking on a bib. Like yeah. Like a no, don't do any of this stuff. <laughs> We're very uh, like uh, puritanical about this stuff. All drugs and alcohol and anything that looks similar to it. Okay. Can you imagine a righteous scholar with smoke coming out of his <laughs> nose, right? Inhaling. No, it's not right. Even though some, uh, uh, yeah, the shisha is very popular, but we're puritanical. None of that. Don't do any of that stuff. People forget that they're they're ambassadors of Islam, whether they like it or not. So yeah, that's very true. Know, whatever you're doing is having an impact yeah. on the dawah. And by the way, you know that a lot of my... I, I have to give rulings. I don't give my own fatawa. I'm just telling you the rulings and the method, right? If I know it with evidence. Many of my friends do this stuff. Like they, uh, for example, funerals or weddings. We always talk about weddings. And a lot of my friends are watching. And they do this stuff. Just because I love a person, I love them. They're my friends. I'm not going to answer it based on what you like. Right? <laughs> I'm not going to answer it like that. It's my job to answer it as it is in the books. I don't answer it for the audience. I answer because I know that other scholars may hear it. 
other students of knowledge can tell other scholars, oh, do you know he said this? Is that correct? And then that scholar says, no, what's he talking about? He's a, he's, he's a fraud, right? I'm more worried about them to be a, approved of by the scholars, by the books, than to worry about that. So, so for, for my friends out there, sometimes I do have to give a statement that you may not do. It has nothing to do with you, right? Just because someone's my friend doesn't mean I, I'm going to ch change the, the, the dean for them. And it doesn't mean because they're doing something wrong that I don't understand human weakness. I understand human weakness. I understand human limitations. Everyone develops at their own pace sometimes, right? Everyone develops differently. So I recognize that. So they shouldn't think, oh, I, I can't come near him anymore because he's going to judge me, blah, blah, blah. No. Yes, I did judge you, but I still like you. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I know you're doing something haram. You know it too, right? <laughs> Right? And you don't think, you think I'm perfect? We're all doing something wrong. So let's just stick to the book as best as we can. Fear Allah as much as you can. Right? So people do stuff that's haram. And our job is to be with each other in support as much as possible. Uh, when judgment side, it's, it's impossible not to judge because if you do something in public, I know what you're doing. Right? You know what I'm doing. Right? But what the real question is do I hate you for it? Am I going to disavow you for it? No, we're here to try to improve our deen together as a group. Right? That's the spirit that we have. And that as long as a person is not going and trying to change the deen, or they're completely shameless about it, then we don't have a problem. We all have something we're working on. Muna A says, so many supplications to get to Jannah. Is there anything to assure Husn al Khatima? Uh, one of the assurances of Husn al-Khatima, oh, subhanAllah, I actually, um, I believe that I had read once that the best thing to assure Husn al-Khatima is loyalty to the Ummah. Yeah, loyalty to the Ummah. In other words, you do not become a backstabber of Muslims, hater on Muslims, right? You have loyalty to the Ummah. General, like, good opinion of the Muslims. Allahu Adam, but I read once that that was one of the great secrets of Husn al yeah. Also make du'a for it, right? Oh, and, and make du'a for it. Yeah, That's the best thing. Yeah, yeah. So you should say the ratu. Say the ratu. Ryan, if you could please put the link. Uh, Abanjan says, this is an Afghani name. It is necessary, is it necessary to study Islam abroad in order to grasp it? No, I believe there's a lot of scholars that are local. I believe. That, that you could study with. Depends where you're from. If you're from, let's say, Fremont, California, there are schools, there are madaris there, there are shiuch there. Quick and Easy says, from the previous question, could you receive a sign just to get through the hardship, but it never occurring? No, Allah does not play tricks. I received the sign. Can I be certain what I am asking will come? If you understood the sign properly, Allah does not play tricks on the believers. Do not ever allow the shaitan to get to you to this. He doesn't do what we do to kids and lie to them, which is haram, by the way. The prophet saw a woman and she said to her baby who's running away, she said, come, I have something for you. And the baby came and the prophet said, but do you have something for him? She said, yes. She had a date. Lying is haram for us. Do you think it's going to be halal for Allah? Trickery, deception is despised for us. Do you think it's going to be done by Allah? Allah does not deceive. But the question is, have we understood his signs properly? A true dream to a righteous person Take it to the bank. Wallahi, take it to the bank. Don't change your actions. In other words, you still have to act like a normal person. And you still got to do what's in front of you. But we hold Allah. So we say, oh Allah, 
I saw this. But you have to ask around to make sure you understood these dalalat correctly. It's not something easy. It's not something random. It's usually something very simple that you struck your heart so quickly, so quickly and so intensely, and you'll never forget it. And you say, oh Allah, my opinion of you is that you sent me this sign. If I'm correct, strengthen me in that belief. If I was incorrect about the sign, take it away from my heart and show me why it, that it was wrong. Allahumma arina al-haqqa haqqa wa razuqni it's a famous hadith dua, but it's not a prophetic dua. I believe it's from the Salihin. Oh Allah, show me the truth as truth. I don't. I never heard it from the Prophet Marfu'. I hold it, always heard it from the Salaf. Show me the truth as truth, and I and let me follow it. Show me falsehood as falsehood. Let me avoid it. But Allah does not do what humans do. Here, take this to shut up real quick. We do that because we're weak. I can't stand this noise. Take this, shut up. Okay. Or yes, I promise you, and then we get weak. Or we don't have knowledge. I may promise somebody a job. Then I take it away. I didn't know that you were uh, not that good at the job. So I take the job away from you. Because we don't have knowledge. And we're weak. That's why we may say one thing, then change our mind. Allah doesn't change his mind. He has knowledge. He has no weakness. When he tells you something, we call these tajalliyat. If a tajalli, this is a big deal. This comes to the pious, the very pious who have really devoted their hearts to Allah for a long time, okay? Or maybe just they were very sincere at that moment. And you get a tajalli like that, but you just have to make sure you understand it properly. You should really truly believe, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not play games with you. He does not lie. He does not deceive. And he does not do a tajalli just for fun to play with you like the way kids play with bugs. SubhanAllah. He is sadiq al-wa'd. He is truthful to his promises. His speech is true. And my word doesn't change. Right? There is no other word but mine. That means when Allah gives a word that is a promise, you should believe in it. You must believe in it. Because if you don't believe in it, then you're basically saying that he has a weakness or he has a defect or he's a deceiver. So we don't believe any of that about Allah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is... Uh, easy when we deal with him There's no tricks, no riddles And who has tricks and riddles? The people who do that to others The people who are trying okay? the, 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 the The trickery It only comes to the people who dish, doled it out You dish out trickery to others You're going to receive it It's going to come right back to you like a boomerang But if you're honest to people and you're honest with yourself and you're honest with Allah and then you get some wonderful sign like this hold to it tight and ask Allah to strengthen your iman in it if you commit sins you may start losing faith don't commit sins do a lot of ibadah Allah will strengthen you in that belief all right next question from Shahida she says assalamu alaikum is an ijaba the same as being granted your dua I mean, would it mean Allah will grant it to you if you get the dua answered on the positive side? In the siyaq or the context of dua, if Allah, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives a person and says, رَبُّهُ, okay? and it happens many times in the Quran, it means as he asked it, it will be given to him. That's what it means. That's what ijabah means. Okay. As he asked it. And as long as that person remains on the right path, it will be a positive for him. Okay? It will be a positive for that person as long as he remains on the right path. 
it would be an improvement for his deen. Hey there, Naila says, that's her name, Naila. What's the Maliki opinion on Juma Khutbah in a language other than Arabic? No, it has to be in Arabic according to the books. So most of our Juma is based on Shafi. It's acceptable in the Shafi fiqh. Yaraj Mushtaqam says, did you use any specific Arabic or English dictionary when learning Arabic? Looking for a better dictionary. Uh, there is a website that you, you want to do a quick dictionary. It's called Al Maani, online dictionary. Back in the day, we had the uh, Hansware dictionary. You have to look up the root, which means you have to know the root. A lot of people don't know what the root of the word is, right? So they don't benefit. So what you could do is you can go to their many, many online dictionaries. Now you just type in the word, it itself will find you the root. It's a good way to learn what the root is, right? And uh, Al Maani is one of those. Instantly says, and oh, actually, let's go with, with uh, one Mahmouda Masoud, Maham Masoud. She says, How do we balance sharing our sorrows just with a lover's telling or confiding our grief with others? There's no haram, there's nothing haram about speaking to others of your pain if you believe it will help, but without the intent of complaining about Allah. But you believe that by talking, they may help me. You take it as a type of advice, okay, with the with the intent that they could help me. Um, instantly says, I'm from Tampa, and it is the one month that I'm away. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> SubhanAllah. I'll go back to Tampa. See, mostly my travels is going to be stuff that I could go down Thursday night and be back Friday night. Yeah. In the future, that's where it's going to be. And once a month. So it's going to be East Coast, East Coast or quick dips with the plane. Right. Uh, so we'll see how it goes. Next question, Ryan, what you got? Got a couple good ones. Mm. Is it permissible permissible for a student to sleep during the day and study overnight? It's not a good practice, to be honest with you. The sleeping all day and studying all night is not a good practice. I know a lot of people do this. It's not the healthy practice. Allah created the day for work and the night for sleep. But if you have to do it, then what I highly recommend for the sake of your mental sanity and your health is to sleep a little bit after Aisha. Let's say sometime between 10 and 1, right? Even if you sleep, let's say 2 hours, 1 hour, 3 hours. And then wake up and study as much as you need to study. But to become a whole, flip yourself as a night owl, and then your uh, it affects your skin, it affects your eyes, it affects your mind, Right? It affects everything about you. It's not a good practice. You said related to Ramadan? Even Ramadan. I try to get home as quick as possible mm, yeah. after Tarawih. Sleep in the reasonable hour. And then you're going to wake up anyway for quite a bit. For Suhoor and then Fajr. And then I give the class after Fajr. That's going to be online, by the way. Everyone could tune in on the MBIC. Uh, it's The YouTube channel is NBICNJ. YouTube.com backslash NBICNJ. Uh, and that's going to be there every day after Fetch. We stop fast at the 18-degree Fetch, and we pray at the 15-degree Fetch. So we have a break in between, right? So many people don't know about the 18 degrees and the 15 degrees. So 18 degrees, there's two opinions on when Fetch is in. So I stop fasting at the cautious time and pray at the cautious time. I, so to guarantee, you're guaranteed safety that way. So I stop eating. If you go to any prayer app or, or website, there's settings 
and they'll tell you Fajr could be 18 degrees or 15 degrees. So I, so the safest thing, and a lot of people don't like this because they want to eat, pray, sleep, like uh, one of these uh, movies, right? <laughs> so they want to eat and then pray right away and then sleep right away. But the safer thing is to stop eating at 18 degrees, pray at 15 degrees. It's a 25-minute difference, right? Then... Uh, go to then, then pray after that, and then I'm gonna give the talk after that. Okay, so the whole deen is to get you out of robotry. You know, yep. should, you should enjoy this. This yep. is why the prayer time, everything changes all throughout the yeah. the whole world. The universe is like that. So yeah, we're supposed to, we're constantly designed. going through seasons. Exactly. Yeah. We're designed to to reflect that. Robotic tree is not good for your body. Yeah, right? change is good for your body, but uh, yeah. Uh, TD Ansari says, is there a job, good job for a better job? Yes, there is. Rabbi inni lima anzalta ilayya min khayrin faqeer. Dua of Sayyidina Musa. I put it on Yusufin's uh, YouTube page as dua to get married. It's the same dua. It's dua to get married, get a place to live, get a job, everything. Will we still have madhabs when the Mahdi comes, if he approves of it? Because he's mujtahid mutlaq. Do we go by feelings of the heart sometimes? If the heart is clean, then the, then the senses that it perceives are pure. Take care, Sahib. Okay. Which ayat are you quoting? For which one? Rabbi inidima anzarta ilayyam al-khayrim faqir is, um, ah, which surah is it in? Can't remember the surah. Uh, Ayala Ventine says, Sheikh, there is someone I am in love with. Can I make dua to marry them? He is a good Muslim. You should say, Oh Allah, let me marry him or someone like him. Because remember, a person just truly does not necessarily just love one person. You love the attributes of that person. Change. Attributes may, you think it's one thing, but it's another. Okay. So, May let me marry him or someone like him and truly open your mind that it could be someone like him. Okay. Uh, Habaz says, May Allah reward you and your team. So thank you all for very much for Wizard of Oz and Ryan uh, and Suhaib for participating in this and the other Suhaib. Everyone here is mashallah. And Yahya, Yahya the intern. Okay. Uh, he's the mastermind behind the TikTok operation. Russia. Is it true that everyone will be 33 in Jannah? Yes, and the children will be like servants in Jannah. Some people, some of the Athar and the Ahadith said the children would be the servants of Jannah. Okay. What language did the Sahaba speak to the king of Abyssinia? Arabic with an interpreter. Tuba Sayyid said people who struggle to do the basic small task because of some mental disorders, they will be rewarded 110%. No doubt about that. Uh, Tanga says, what is the best time for evening adhkar? Right before Maghrib. That's when you say the adhkar of the evening. Right before or after Maghrib. And when exactly is the last hour after Asr on Friday? It's, it's the, it's the la- uh, Maghrib minus one hour. Or yani, a period of time. Surah Al-Qasas. The, the mention of Rabbi inni liman zarti ilayim faqir is in Surah Al-Qasas. Okay. Cozy Chloe, we answered this question on Rajam in Islam. We answered that already. Rajam. I need you to bring Hidayah to one of our family members. Generally, generally, is explicitly like that. Oh Allah, guide them. 
just like we say in Salah Salat al Mustaqim. The NX tour says, What do I do if I feel like I have no clarity when it comes to making decisions? Besides istikhara, is there a daily Islamic practice one can perform to help improve clarity? Yes, the answer is uh, you can do istishara. Istishara is ask people. And you can do istikhara. Istikhara is that, oh Allah, this is my matter. You focus on one matter. If it's good for me, deem my deen and dunya, make it easy. If it's not good for my deen and dunya, remove it from me. So istikhara and istishara helps in decision making. If one feels that their sins are blocking the risk and blessing from entering their life, how does one undo that? It's constant istighfar, especially in the last third of the night. Istighfar in the last of the night. All right, one more question, and that's going to come from Oz. Okay, hold on. Let, let's answer a couple more. Uh, first of all, Cozy Chloe, what we said is that the Prophet did uh, tell us, avoid hudud by doubts, meaning the judge has to find doubts so he can downgrade the punishment from had punishments. Okay, We don't disbelieve in had punishments. We believe in the had punishments. We're very proud that that's our law. We don't chase around people looking to do it. But if they did it, we would apply upon them. And the main reason is that it, the hell, Allah knows that the hellfire is much worse. Islamic law cannot be separated from the existence of the hellfire. Okay, we can, you cannot try to make it se- make sense in the world dunya only perspective. This Islamic law is from Allah, who is also telling us there is a hellfire awaiting for for wrongdoers in this world. Okay, severe wrongs can be wiped away by these hadood punishments. And you can save yourself from a lot of wrong. So never try to uh, uh, separate Islamic law from afterlife, especially the hudud punishments. Some things you can explain by worldly measures. Usually things in business where you can see that someone's being harmed by a business practice. But other things like the hudud punishments, it can never be separated from the afterlife. You cannot make it make sense without belief in the afterlife. And that, that is something far worse waiting. Well, why did Allah make something far worse waiting for you? It's, that's how he made it, right? <laughs> what do you mean, why? Right? That's how he made it. You don't. You never question paradise, yeah. right? So don't question the opposite either. That's how he created it. So hudud punishment removes the that punishment completely. The sin is off your record. All right. So next, uh, what uh, XT ninety XX? She says, "What advice do you give a female who was assaulted because she wore hijab and now she doesn't believe that wearing it protects from evil?" It's true. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says it protects you from evil. It protects them. But she's saying as an American Muslim, I get harmed by it. How do I explain that? Well, very simply, what Allah tells us in the Quran is the general rule. The general principle is that there is protection there. There will be exceptions. This is one of the eras in which there's exception. And where? I don't think in New York you have an issue with hijab. You might have an issue with hijab in Ohio, in Pennsylvania, in Texas in some parts of Texas, right? So there are always exceptions to every rule. So when Allah says something in the Quran, it does not mean that there are never exceptions to it. This is definitely one of the exceptions. A woman can go to somewhere, uh, heavily right-wing area, and she will be assaulted for hijab. We also say that the streets is not the only place. There are other places of protection, okay? And the protection of uh, of the Quran is not the only, is not the only reason why we wear hijab. So, 
a person will wear hijab in obedience to Allah or us. Yeah. Also, um, just to kind of add on to that, yeah. um, my sister, she wears hijab and she has to work in Philly in the inner city. Yeah. And um, she says that like constantly she sees people, you know, who are getting like catcalled and stuff like that. But because of the fact that she wears a hijab, she feels more protected. And, you know, the people who are yeah. on the streets, they don't mess with her. And, you know, I went and when I wear the kufi, I wear the kufi in Philly just because I know how many Muslims are there. Yeah. And she was telling me a story, um, a guy like getting robbed at gunpoint, someone mm-hmm. pulled up to the car next to him and, um, you know, like, but then he saw that the guy had a kufi. Yeah. He said, oh, you're Muslim and you're an Aki. So I'm not going to I was about you. to jack you. Yeah. yeah. So uh, what I said for the Instagram you didn't hear is that in, in Philly, for example, it's quite the opposite. Hijab is a protection. I think Newark too. So, but the point being is that you simply have to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to guide you to obedience to him and submission to him. That is our creed and that's our belief. That we, Allah Ta'ala, is deserving and worthy of submission to his will. He knows better than us. He has a lot to offer to us. So you should ask Allah Subhanahu oh Allah, soften my heart to your commands. Simple as that. Soften my heart to your command, whether I understand it or not. I hope that answers the question. Mm. Can you make mess on hairpins in wudu? Like if a woman has a pin in her hair and she's making the wiping, inshallah, that shouldn't be a problem. I don't believe that that's an issue. Next question. Does the fidya and makeup fasts have to be made up or given before the next Ramadan? And is it valid? Is it a valid reason for not making up or giving fidya? What did he say again? I wasn't paying attention. Is the, does the fidya or yeah. makeup fasts have to be made up before the next Ramadan comes in? The makeup fasts, they should be made up before the next Ramadan. But if you don't, and one or more Ramadans pass before you make up the fast, then you need to fast and pay fidya, one fidya for, per fast. Abu Abdul Basit says, I love listening to you misinterpret my Hanafi madhab. <laughs> uh, subhanAllah. All right, tell me what was misinterpreted. The beard? Yeah, I, I think that's the only fake thing I said. But I think that the, 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 the Jordanians have a book on the permissibility of trimming the beard. The Jordanian Hanbali scholar. Uh, Hanbali scholar. Yeah, maybe. All right. So one more question. Ryan, you got one? Yeah, there's a lot of questions. I'm trying to... Um... Okay, this one's for Yahya. <laughs> yeah, um... for Yahya, you got a question. <laughs> Can you reduce the background volume on the TikToks? <laughs> Can you reduce the background volume? That's doable. You just have to reduce it. I think the youth, they like the, the noise and sounds and the humming and all that. Um, yeah. We um, have some new sounds, by the way, for that. Okay. So, I've yeah, yeah. How's that going with the new sounds? It's it's harder to like import it to TikTok. Like just make, do it in a video editing software. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, next. Okay. So, last question. Is. Breastfeeding a valid reason not to do make fidya or okay. Um, breastfeeding while fasting. Anytime that you have to break your fast for the sake of somebody else, then there are two conditions. Number one, you cannot start your day breaking the fast. You can only break your fast if the person who depends upon you is going to be harmed by your inability to focus or your weakness. Like who? A surgeon. If a surgeon's in the surgery, he's fasting, and he starts to get lightheaded. Now somebody else may be harmed. That surgeon may break the fast, 
after he gets lightheaded, like after he tries to fast but fails. Likewise, a woman who's breastfeeding. She tries to fast. If she cannot, then she needs to eat and drink so that the baby can get milk. Then you have to make up one day of fasting plus fidya, which in this latest assessment is $10. But if you pay it to the masjid, you have to label the envelope fidya because fidya goes to the Muslim poor. It's not just regular sadaqah, which may go to the um, light bulbs and the masajid, buy toilet paper, stuff like that. What about kifaya for the one that can't um, do the fast? What's up? What about kifaya for the one that can't do the two months of straight fasting? It, the, the what? Like if they're doing kifaya for the... Uh, kifara. Kifara. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, for the, it, uh, if someone intentionally breaks a fast... Then you have the option, feed 60 people or fast 60 straight days. Now, the miskin didn't couldn't fast one day, right? How's he going to fast 60 days, right? So that's why there's an option there. Yeah. So you can the feed same. 60 people. Is it the same uh, method? Yeah, 600 bucks. Yeah. So don't break your fast. You want to <laughs> lose 600 bucks. Uh, ZKM says her eight-year-old, she listens to the Nothing But Facts live stream. <laughs> she listens to the Nalda She's an eight year old with a brain. Mashallah. What is her name? What's the ruling on listening to Nasheed's musical instruments? No, we don't listen to the string instrument by Ajma. And we don't, um, maybe I shouldn't say by Ajma because someone will give me a quote. But, uh, and the flute has some discussion, but mostly is to be avoided. Two, the wind instruments and the, the drum instruments has permissibility. So there's three types of instruments, percussion, wind, and string. And the prophet, he banned all instruments. Then he said, beat the drum for the weddings. So that became an exception. The drum has permissibility to it. Then a man, he passed by a boy playing a flute and he covered his ears, but he didn't say it's haram. And a man suggested blowing a horn for the event, wind instrument. And the prophet didn't say it's haram. So the ulama, some ulama of the Shafi'iyah and some of the Madikiyah, I have Sawi's quote on it, said that that indicates discouragement because he did not explicitly say, no, it's haram. Okay? So that indicates discouragement. But not the majority of Madikiyah and Shafi'iyah. Some, not all. So that's why some have lacked a little bit of a laxity towards the wind instruments. And then there was no exception given for the string instruments, so it remains haram. Computerized instruments follow what they sound like. If they sound like a voice, halal. Sound like a drum, halal. Sounds like a flute, makru. Or haram. As we said, there's a discussion on the wind instruments. Sounds like a string. Haram. Work, travel, and Ramadan is makeup and pay. No. Makeup only. Work, travel. And not just work, travel. Any halal travel. It's not normal, but let's say you have only I have five vacation days in the middle of Ramadan with my family. It's not the norm that people do this, but let's say hypothetically I haven't had a vacation in two years. I got one week off take my family away and we're just going to go, you know, somewhere for, for a vacation. It's halal. You just make up those fasts. You own, you don't have to pay. As long as you make up before the next Ramadan, you don't have to pay. If the, if one or more Ramadans pass and you haven't made up your days, then you fast and you pay. Um, but like if you're traveling and Fajr comes in before you set Good out. question. When you travel for, we might as well do a Ramadan prep, right? You should, you should do an entire yeah. week on Ramadan. It's got to be soon, inshallah. Well, this is half of it first. When you travel, if you wake up for Fajr at home, you owe the whole day. You must fast that whole day, even if you get on a plane at 2 a.m., at 2 p.m. 
right? You must, if you wake up at home or in your city, when Fajr comes in and you are in your city, okay, you owe, you must fast that whole day. You have no excuse. Even you can't if, break your fast either. You can't break your fast just until Maghrib comes in. Even if you have to travel by car across the Mojave Desert, you owe that, you are fasting that day. So only if, let's say you go to JFK Airport at 11 at night and the plane gets off, let's say at 3 a.m. before Fedger comes in, then you are traveling in the air while Fedger comes in or you're simply out of your neighborhood, then you may break your fast. So that's a very important principle of fasting and traveling. So you owe the day in which you you wake, if you are present in your city for Fedge, you have, must fast that day. Just important point there. Titi Ansari in the Maliki method. Titi Ansari is a Maliki, by the way. <laughs> have, if, if you have years of Fedge to make up, you have to make up the two Raka Sunnah prayers. No. You only have to make up the Fart. Can you be quick about it? Like if you have, say, like 100, 200, like a lifetime's worth of. Yes, you can pray with short surahs, but you can't skip the Sunnah Ma'akadah. Yeah. Can I make dua in sujood in the last rakah of Tahajjud? You can make dua in, in any sujood. You can make dua while standing. And the only time we don't make dua in salah is in rukuah. You can make dua while standing. You can make dua while sujood. You can make dua in sitting. And if you don't speak Arabic, you can make dua in your language in the Madiki method. If you speak Arabic but you can't really express yourself, it's maybe slightly makruh. That's it. If you perfectly speak Arabic, then it's makruh to make dua in any other language. But if you cannot speak Arabic, you're allowed to make your dua in English. It's actually a fadila in the salah to make dua in the sujood, right? It's it's, it's highly recommended to make dua in every sajda, not just the last one. If is it better to fast while traveling? Yes, it is. Fast is better. How do you calculate fasting times during air travel? By looking what the time is, exactly where you are in the air. Not by where you're going or where you came from, exactly where you are in the air. Do you want to do that? Do you have an app or something? Um, sometimes right on the screen, they'll tell you yeah, the time in the present location. And sometimes you could look out the window if you understand how to see sunrise and sunset. Yeah. If you wipe over socks while at work, you're a hambali. Let's hope it. He's a hambali employee. You also pray as a hambali? No. You don't have to pray as a hambali. If you make wudu as a hambali, you can pray as a maliki. Because then they wouldn't be, be doing dalit. So hmm? uh, they wouldn't be doing dalit, though. So is there tahara valid? The question is in usul, are these ibadat links? And the answer is no. They're not linked. Except for the Hanafi, right? I don't know about the Hanafis. Right. Because Abdul Basit said, <laughs> stop talking about my madhab. So collapse. Why not touch the Hanafi madhab? Is the obligation for a surah after Fath had just one ayah? The minimum, you mean? Yes. It's a sunnah mu'akkadah, by the way, the surah, which means you can't omit it, surah after fatihah, but if you were to forget it, you can make it up by sujood as-sahu. We should do rules of fasting. We should do rules of oath one of these days. People can get confused. All different. For the Madikis? <laughs> no, well, they're all going to be Madikis. All these live streams are on Madikis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but our, our sujood sahu abuab is it's, it's complicated. It's so so uh, yeah, yeah. I think right. it's easy. Could you close that real quick? We have a good question. All right, go ahead. I think this is from hey. Ahmed Ali. Could you close that? It says, yeah, we talked about this yesterday. No, no, the, the phone. The phone's right. It says close the battery, low battery. Yeah, go ahead. Is aura for salah the same as outside of the salah? The aura for salah for a woman is the same as it is in front of a stranger. Yes. 
Uh, in the is the aura in the salah different than the aura outside of the salah? Uh, the aura in salah is different from the aura outside of salah. The aura, which is nakedness, what you have to cover. We we Muslims believe that you have to cover your body, it, it, but it's going to be different for every person. So there's no aura between husband and wife. The aura of a woman with her relatives is basically the chest down to the knee. So even in front of your dad and your sister, your, your your dad and your brother, it would they don't sh- wouldn't show your thighs and low hanging sh- that even that wouldn't be in front of your brother and your father, right? Uh, and then for other women, the aura is the private parts, right? So there's some permissibility of let's say breastfeeding in front of other women, right? Other um, that's a good question. I can't remember, but I think that it's all women. I don't know if they differentiated, but what I remember is that the aura in front of all women is the same. Uh, if one woman, though, is a lesbian, though, then it's not permitted if there's going to be an issue, right? If there's going to be an attraction. Um, then the aura in front of a strange male, of course, is the same aura in, as in Salah. The, the coverage has to be the same coverage as in Salah. A strange male does not mean you don't know him. It means you could potentially marry him. Anybody that you could potentially, by law, marry. That was what we call gharib, a stranger. In the Hanif- Zedka says, in the Hanafi method, it's Muslim women only. All right, we got a long session today. Here we go. Huh? More than two hours. Are you serious? I can do this forever, for subhanAllah. <laughs> but, but you know, the other days, we don't do open QA. Only subject matter QA. All right, we're going to take two more. We got to wrap up. How can I make du'a in every sujood when the du'a takes long since you have to praise Allah by thanking Him, salawat, repentance? You don't have to do those. You do not have to do all of that introduction. Right? No, you don't have to do all of that long introduction. If you're in salah, you're already doing it. Yeah. In salah, fatiha is your shukr. Yeah. Right? Is it okay to shop online for women's personal things if we can see the woman's aura? I guess it's darura because you have to, right? You need to buy those things. Even if you go to Target to buy these things, you see all that haram, right? So it's it's you try to lower your gaze as much as you can. Uh, folks, thank you so much for giving me the chance to do this QA. I just, I love talking to strangers. I don't know what. Right? <laughs> and seeing what's going to go on, right? But thank you all very much. And I hope that I see you tomorrow for tomorrow's stream at 1.30 PM Jazakum Law Khiran Subhanakallahumma Bihamdik, Nashadun La Ilaha Illa Anta, Nastaghfiruk, Wanatubu Ilaik, Wal Asr, In Al Insan Alafi Khusr, Illa Ladina Amanu Amin Salihat, Watawasobul Haq, Watawasobul Sabr, Wassalamu Alaikum.